Barb Higgins here, welcoming you to A Thousand Tiny Steps. In this podcast, I share my stories of love, loss, triumphs, and tragedy as I continue to trace my steps backward and ponder what led to the death of my daughter, Molly. If you're ready to laugh, cry, shake your head in disbelief, or simply listen, and tie, buckle, slip on, or lace up your shoes, and join me as we begin our A Thousand Tiny Steps. Hey, everybody. Barb Higgins here, welcoming you to episode 88 of A Thousand Tiny Steps. So as I've said before, when I started this podcast, it was to retrace my thousand tiny steps to see if I could figure out how I contributed to or caused the death of Molly. And what I've learned in that journey, aside from a nine million things, is that to assume that any of my steps directly contributed to Molly's death is somewhat ridiculous. As a mother... I think I'm hardwired like every mother to immediately assume that it's my fault. You know, she's my child. It's my job to save her and protect her. The reality is children die all the time. And if every mother could save every child, there would be no dead children. Right. And I look to nature sometimes, you know, when, when you're looking for answers, sometimes they lie in places you wouldn't think to look. And when you look into nature, animals grieve loss not all of them, but a lot of them. And there was that whale in the ocean a couple of years ago that was mourning the loss of her baby whale. And all the other whales came around and protected her and let her grieve. Whales in the middle of the ocean. And so these are the kinds of things that have helped me in my own grief journey and in my own thousand tiny steps journey to see where did, where did the ball start rolling? And I have some very specific ideas of decisions I made and lifestyle choices that I chose that I feel contributed to the reality in which Molly's death could occur. I also lay blame in a lot of places that I really can't speak publicly about. I need to pray about those things, I guess, or win the mega bucks and give back all the money so I can tell the story. If any billionaires out there are listening and want to get famous, give me a call. <laughs> so anyway, it's been an incredible journey. And I'm, I'm to the point in the podcast now where I don't really have a place in my life to go back and retrace steps. I've talked about all, all of it. I've gone back and really relived huge events in my life and little teeny ones. And as I'm sitting here starting episode 88, I'm reflecting on, I guess, some of the things that I've learned. And so I'm going to take chunks of my life that I've talked about, starting with this chunk, reflect on some, some specific events and things that happened that aren't necessarily depressing and you know, connected to dead Molly, but more experiences that give me or gave me hope and open my eyes. There's this thing that happens. There's a name for it. And I don't remember what it is right now. And it's not important, but you buy an orange car because you love the color and you've never seen an orange car. You buy the car and you bring it home. And then for the next two weeks, every time you go out, you see an orange car. And it's because it's a reality in your brain now and so without even thinking about it, your brain's like, oh, orange cars, and it's on alert to see them. And this exact sort of brain behavior imitates itself in a number of ways. So you're pregnant. And so now suddenly everything you see on the news or you hear about or you see on social media has to do with pregnancy. Now, maybe Siri is listening to you while you talk, but you're also much more attuned to pregnancy things because this is your reality now. You wake up in the morning and you say to yourself, oh, you know what I really should do today? I should give up coffee. And you don't say it out loud to anybody. You just think it or maybe have a conversation with it. And then three times that day, you run into things or see things or talk to people that are giving up coffee. 
And you think, wow, what a coincidence. I just talked about this this morning. These kinds of things happened long before our phones started listening to us, right? And I think sometimes in a grief process like mine, I ask the questions and the answers come in a million ways I wouldn't have thought from places completely unrelated to where I was when I asked the question. So is that the universe giving me the answers I need? Is it God invoking his all omnipotent power? Is it coincidence? Or is it me by presenting the question in my head, being open to the answers? I don't know. I do know that I've had incredible, incredible opportunities and experiences and meetings since Molly died. In this episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about the time in my life after Molly died, from Molly's death to now. I'm going to start with the podcasting world. Of course, I listen to other podcasts, and then people listen to my podcast and suggest other podcasts. And I've been a guest now on several. I've got a list here. Being a guest on a podcast is an incredible gift because somebody's taking the time out of their life to listen to your story. A lot of my story involves Jack. The memoir that I'm editing right now about Molly's death also involves Jack. How a bereaved mother from losing a child could reinvent motherhood at the age of 57 by having a baby. That's an interesting story. What I've gotten out of these podcast interviews and these experiences is far more than the chance to tell my story. I've really gotten to open my eyes and look at other people's realities. So I'm going to start right now with the podcasts that I've been on, what they're about, and why y'all should listen. I'm also going to share what, what these experiences have done for me in terms of my grief process with Molly. So the first guest appearance I ever did was on a podcast called Shenanigans. And these are two women who have taken their unspeakable tragedies, the death of a child and the suicide of a fiance, and learned how to not only utilize them for self-growth and knowledge and learning, but also to view them as events that, yes, decimated them, but gave them the chance to find unbelievable joy and permission to remain happy. They do an amazing job of it. Most of their podcasts is just about funny shenanigans that they get into, funny life stories, but they also make great connections episode after episode to some important things in life. And so listening to them always, always brightens my day. Christine, the mother of Devin, who died from a DIPG, a diffuse intrinsic pontine glioma, a very deadly childhood brain tumor, just ran the Boston Marathon. She runs every year to raise money for her foundation, Why Not Devin? And she started this foundation when he was still alive. He had been diagnosed because she thought, why can't he be the first one to live? Why not Devin? So she raises money to support other families who are going through DIPG. And then also for research into finding a cure for this horrifying tumor. Jen, her counterpart on shenanigans, is sort of the mastermind behind organizing the podcast and keeping it going. And she is the connection maker. And she, I think, they both keep it light and laugh and all this kind of stuff. But the two of them together, you know, when you look at the universe and why are people connected, I think the universe connected these two because they would need each other greatly later in life. And they understand each other's self and life deprecating sense of humor and complete and utter inappropriate behavior at all times. They're wonderful for each other. And listening to them, knowing what they've gone through gives me permission to be happy in what I've gone through. The next podcast I was on is one called Vintage Mama. And this woman has started a group, just started like a Facebook group, which has now grown into an online business for herself called the Vintage Mama. She considers a vintage mama as anyone who's had a baby at 35 or older. <laughs> so I'm, you know, like 25 years older than a 35 year old. <laughs> so that makes me laugh sometimes because 
I think of a vintage mama as someone over 45, but that's all right. So in this Facebook group and this online community, she has wonderful conversations with amazing people. My connection to Coco, who does this, this podcast, is completely about being a mother later in life. She loved my story, obviously. My connection there is completely Jack-centered. This is a group I go to and check in on and a podcast I listen to for little helpful tips and fun stories from other older mothers and experiences that other moms go through. It's not a surprise to me that I don't have a whole bunch of mom friends with two-year-olds because all the people with two-year-olds, I could be their mother. So sometimes my existence is a little lonely and groups like this connect me with other mothers and make me feel a part of something. The next podcast I was interviewed on is called Legends and Legacies. And again, it's by an online entrepreneur. Her name is Trina and she works specifically with women and she guides women who are entrepreneurs and want to increase money. So she's like a a coach's coach. That episode hasn't aired yet. I'm excited about it. If you are, you know, an older woman sort of looking at what might your potential future hold for you, could I be an online entrepreneur? Could I go into business for myself? Maybe even not even online. This is a great Facebook group and podcast for you to listen to. Her name is Trina, Trina Gunzel. The next podcast I was interviewed on, Marriage, Motherhood, and Menopause. And this is out of Australia. And this is Karen O'Connor. And she is terrific. She's a woman in her 50s that speaks to other women in their 50s. And she talks about everything. Her podcast is called Things That Make You Go, Mm. And we talked, of course, about me having a baby and losing Molly and all that went into it. And the fact that here I am in my 50s, living a day-to-day life that is most often lived by people in their 30s. The next podcast I want to talk about is called The Label Free Podcast. And this is a podcast that is big business. She interviews three or four people a day. She is months ahead of herself with interviews. So I interviewed with this woman in February and the podcast with me on it will air in July. She does these quick 20-minute little stories, label free. And her whole point is we should be able to live life without labels, that we shouldn't be labeled because we're male or female or trans. We shouldn't be labeled because we're rich or poor, black or white. And she is fast-paced, high-powered, entrepreneurial, savvy, savvy woman. This is a fun podcast to listen to if you have a half an hour drive and you don't want to get sucked into a big, deep podcast. Her guests are hilarious. The Grief Case. It's a gentleman. And most most groups I've been in and most podcasts that talk about things like grief involve women. And it's not to say that men don't grieve. They do. There just aren't a lot of men who grieve publicly. But I do know that it was an incredibly powerful conversation around grief. And he really used it in many ways as a learning tool, much like I used my podcast to process grief. He uses it in a very similar way. I have to say, two of my favorites as guests, one was called Introducing Me by a girl named Sarah, a woman named Sarah that lives in Pennsylvania. And the other one was called I Didn't Sign Up for This. And that's by a woman named Carling who lives in Canada. Both of these women are hilarious. They're funny, they're engaging, they're curious. So Introducing Me, she just finds people with interesting stories and interviews them for her podcast. I've listened to her podcast quite a bit and she has a huge variety of people Not all of the stories are emotional or tragic or joyful. Some of them are just informational. Her stories center around business or around family or around death or around birth. I didn't sign up for this along the same lines. Carling interviews people, but her guests 
have all had some sort of crazy reality happen to them. She's just unafraid to ask the questions. She's unafraid to laugh. She's unafraid to be herself. She's a much more gregarious and outgoing podcast host. Sarah really lets her, her interviewees just do most of the talking. That's the Introducing Me podcast. But I didn't sign up for this as hilarious. If you want interesting and engaging stories about crazy things that people have done or that have happened to people, this would be a great one to listen to. My episode hasn't aired yet on this one. It has on Introducing Me quite a while ago. The last one that I'll talk about that I've been on is the Kintsugi Heroes Project. So this gentleman, Ian, who lives in Australia, started a foundation for men, mental health for men, because he just found that when he was struggling, there wasn't a lot of obvious places for him to go. Men aren't inclined to have support groups. They aren't inclined to get together and discuss their issues with other people. So he started a foundation to not only create community for men around mental health issues, but also start programs for men, do research for mental health in men. And then part of what he does is a podcast. So the podcast, the Kintsugi hero, a Kintsugi hero is somebody that's had the decimation happen. Their life has fractured. And in gluing their life back together, they can look at the cracks as areas for light to come in, as opposed to, I am now damaged. So am I the same Barbara Higgins as I was before Molly died? Absolutely not. But I have the potential to be a better version of myself. And that's what this podcast is about. They even go into creating books out of the podcasts that they record. So each year, there's a book. The podcasts are transcribed into stories into the book. I think that's a, an amazing idea. It just puts into print these words that are sort of out there in the universe right now. That one will also air for me sometime in the summer. Along with the guest podcasts, there's a couple of other ones that I've started listening to around grief. One of them is called Three Siblings. This is a powerful, powerful podcast done by three siblings who lost their parents, both of them unexpectedly in a very short period of time. One died by suicide, one died by an unexpected heart attack. And so here they are orphans at like ages 19, 23, and 25 just not expecting this to happen. And so they talk about all manner of emotions, the things going on in their lives, how they've dealt with the grief. What I like about it is it's just authentic. It's not prepared. Basically what it does is it just gives them voice to share. And that's what they do. They share unbelievably well. This one for me creates community. And I'd actually would love Gracie to listen to it because it's the children of dead parents. So they're talking about their grief as siblings as opposed to an adult pondering the death of a child or even adult, an adult pondering the death of a parent. My friend Deb, who I had breakfast with this morning, suggested another one called The Last Day. And this podcast is people sharing stories about the last day that their loved one was alive. <laughs> that sounds bleak, doesn't it? And I think it is. I'm not sure which day I would call the last day for me. It could be the emergency room day because Molly died at the end of that day. It could be... May 6th, when all those tests were performed on Molly and she didn't move and she didn't wake up. And so she was declared dead. Is that her last day? Or is the day we unplugged her her last day? You know, which is it? I think for us, it would be more like what we call death week, her last week, because her life was sort of elongated or lengthened by machinery until we had a clear sense that she was in fact gone. What an amazing podcast idea to give voice to people who really spend a lot of their time hushed up. One thing I have come to learn in this process is that yes, all of these beautiful podcasts exist and all of us can tell our stories, but sometimes it feels like preaching to the choir. I'm telling my story to somebody that's willing to listen. And that's amazing. I wish more people were. 
I think a lot of the listeners of these podcasts are people who are willing to listen, but want to listen in the privacy of their own car or office or home. So they aren't required to respond in any way. In all of these podcasts, in all of the people I've met in my grief process, in all of the support groups I've been in, I know that people really don't want to hear it. It's hard to listen to. It's scary. The fact that I lost a child means that they could lose a child. I think back to how I felt about these kinds of things before Molly died. And I always wanted to be supportive to people I knew that had lost people that they loved, but I also knew that it made me nervous. And I said all those horrible things that I can't stand now. Oh my God, I could never handle if that happened to me. Oh, you're so strong. Oh, I'm so impressed. Well, you know, now I realize that that's the last thing anyone needs, needs to or wants to hear. What I've learned in the process of this podcast on my end, of sharing it with others and of listening to other people's podcasts, is that there is a growing desire for these things to be talked about and to listen to and to be understood. And I think it parallels culture and society and mankind in some ways. The voiceless, giving voice to the voiceless. I've learned that people that push hard to silence anybody, to silence the mother of a dead child, to silence somebody with a political view, to silence somebody because of their gender or their profession or their race or their religion or their class. People that wish to silence are typically the ones with the issue and the problem. They're the ones that need to protect themselves by diminishing others so that whatever reality they've created can be maintained. And I think child loss and grief and death falls into that category. People don't want to hear it because it makes it too real for them. In the process of creating the podcast and telling my story, in the process of writing the book and knowing who will buy it immediately and hoping who might buy it down the road, in battling the naysayers, the people who want me to be quiet or not tell the story. There are so many parallels here that, that have been such a growth experience for me in this process that I you know, sort of just have a ton of gratitude around it. <laughs> I've also met some amazing people in these last seven years, seven years now since Molly's died. I've met people who have lost others. I've met you know, I think of Bill Rogers. He's this 88-year-old man that lives in Manchester who skydives and walks down buildings and flies in planes and parasails. He does all of these things just to prove he's alive, to prove he's still living life because that's what Natalie would have wanted for him, his wife who died. And he stays alive and functioning and vital and he matters because that's how he pays it back to Natalie. He was a huge help for me in digging out of the hole of Molly's death, climbing out of the black abyss and knowing that, that I really needed to live forget doing it for Molly or doing it for anyone. I needed to do it for myself because here I am alive on the planet. Yes, I'm a spiritual being, but I'm still trapped in this human body living in a physical human world. I can't just hide from it. That was an incredibly helpful meeting for me. I met Taylor who owns the florist shop in Portsmouth. Y'all should go see. It's called Flowers by Nest. We met very happenstance and she lost a child. And, and so we just share, we share so much of our personal journey. We think the same way, we look at the power of the universe, we rely on friends, we acknowledge our faults. We are just plugged into the same toaster sometimes. But the process of finding my light, the process of being okay and getting better is helped and nurtured by people like this. And these are people I wouldn't find if I just sat here and stayed sad over Molly. It's just not what works. I've also, in this process, realized that sometimes the best thing I can do is to turn around and help someone else that's going through this. We talk about the hunger family when Rachel was on life support and how much Gracie and Kenny and I just reached out to that family. It was the first time, really, 
since Molly's death at that time that we felt that we were vital and important and that we mattered because we could help another family going through what we went through. Those friendships remain. When we're struggling, we reach out to one another. When we need something, we help one another. And that's a friendship that comes from death, from two dead daughters and living the reality of a dead child. Kenny's kidney comes from that, that whole process of reaching out for somebody and helping somebody because it's the right thing to do. Another thing that happened recently is, is my friend, Nick, Nick Metallius. He recently passed away. He was 52. We were on school board together and he moved away before his term was up. So he couldn't finish his three-year term, but we've just stayed friends. And Nick did not have it easy. He suffered from mental illness. He would very, very readily check himself into the state hospital. He would disappear for days and we would wonder, are you okay? And then he would let us know, yes, I was okay, but I wasn't okay. And I needed to go to the hospital. He wouldn't mind these things being shared because he was very open about it anyway. He shared so much of himself on his Facebook. He struggled with his family. He was estranged from his family. He lost a child. When his son Tyler died two years after Molly, I sent Nick to a Ellie's Way convention because I could, and he couldn't have afforded to go. It was the right thing to do. And he met amazing people there that have been a support for him in his journey. Myself and a couple of other friends pulled together and paid for Nick's cremation and funeral and all those things that go with paying for a dead person. It's impossibly difficult. And the joy that comes from that for me is immeasurable. I love Nick. I love you, Nick. He has peace now. He survived cancer and was on his way to getting better. And then he died. Do we understand that? No. His family is heartbroken as they should be. But this is a way that I could help somebody that I couldn't have helped if it weren't for Molly dying. If Molly hadn't have died, I wouldn't known how to help Nick when his son Tyler died. I wouldn't have known about Ellie's way. You know, I know that these could all be considered loose connections, but when I look at some of the most amazing experiences that I've gone through, horrifying and wonderful, directly related to Molly's death, then I just realized that the only way we can survive, survive any of these things <laughs> is to take notice, to be grateful for the good things, and to know that by being happy, we aren't somehow selling out our loved one who's died. I'm not forgetting Molly because I laugh. I'm not selling short Molly's legacy because I helped somebody else with theirs. And this is a very difficult place to be in grief. I will say that I spend a lot of time berating myself and cringing at memories. And I wish I could go back and change so many things. I also very much believe that a lot of my actions in the years leading up to my job loss after my job loss and before Molly's death, contributed to the reality in which Molly's death could occur. It's just how I feel. And there's a lot more for me to learn and process. And in doing that, help other people that have gone through the things that I've gone through. I know this is a bit of a jumbled podcast episode, and I apologize. I'm a bit lost and befuddled as to where to go from here. I just thought by sharing some of the positives that have come from this and giving a shout out to other people who are working really hard to do the right thing, that I could be helpful. And that's sort of my plan, I guess, to help others. I'm excited about having guests. If any of you can think of somebody you would love for me to interview, or if any, any listeners want to be on here, if you have an interesting story that matches my crazy life, so that leaves you a lot of latitude, I would love to have more podcast guests. Let me also shout out some other podcasts that I listen to. I listen to OK Yep, which is done by Libby, who is a college student. I listen to... Get Ready to Crumble, which is done by Skylar. That's a funny one. Very, very unedited and raw. I listen to The Karen Kenny Show. 
around spiritual growth and finding happiness in the hard parts of life. I listened to The CrossFit Lady, which is an awesome podcast around health, being healthy as a female in your 50s. I listened to Step in the Arena, which is another, that's another CrossFit specific one. It would be good if you were a local CrossFitter, like a New Hampshire CrossFitter. That's a, a more of a limited audience, but I like it because it helps me get to know people at Battle CrossFit where I am coaching right now. But in the next two episodes, as I wrap up season seven, I will share stories and insights from all of my losses that I feel contributed to the death of Molly because all of my experiences, as bad as they were, created unbelievable opportunities and experiences for me. And I have to continue to focus on those. I think it's the only way that I'll survive. So as usual, be good to yourself. After you're good to yourself, be good to someone else. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening and for supporting the podcast. Feel free to leave a review and to share my stories with your friends. Please reach out with your own stories. I love connecting with my listeners. If you want to see what I'm up to next, you can find me on Instagram at barb underscore 444, on Facebook as Barb Higgins, and at my website, a thousandtinysteps.com. And while you're there, sign up for my newsletter, a weekly way to find out what's up in the life of Barb Higgins.